It's the Big Baseball Podcast with Kyle and Drew Charters. Movement week in the Big Ten with several big series coming up in the third weekend of league play, and that comes after teams battle each other and frigid temperatures last weekend. We'll review and preview on this week's Big Baseball Podcast. Kyle Charters here with Drew Charters. We'll also have third-year Purdue coach Mark Wazikowski on the show. His Boilermaker team 4-1 and one through the first couple of weekends of the Big Ten series with the big series coming up at Nebraska. Drew, I'm on that trip. I get a bus out of town at about 4.45 Thursday morning, get on one of those aeroplanes and fly over to Lincoln. I do like Lincoln. Don't necessarily like uh, the early morning trip, but looking forward to that one. Should be a big series. You're going to be sleeping in. I will be sleeping in. That's a little earlier than even you usually get up, right? Yeah. I have to skip out on the morning show. Uh, but look, if I'm going to skip out on the morning show, right, wouldn't you want to sleep in that day? Right. <laughs> you get no breaks. Yeah. You, uh, look, I don't get to be on the show. I should be able to sleep in to like eight or so. No, I got to get up even like an hour earlier than usual. You sleep on the bus. I'm sure it's comfy. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing like hopping on a, a bus full of a uh, bunch of other baseball players and uh, jamming in there to to drive up to Midway to get on an airplane. But that nobody cares about my life. That's fine. Let's talk a little bit about baseball. Uh, some big stories for this week. I think the the biggest one, right, has got to be the Iowa Hawkeyes. I mean, Iowa starts the Big Ten 0-3 after having a pretty good non-conference season. Now, they battled some injuries and things, and and that has hampered uh, Rick Heller's crew. But, you know, you start 0-3, and then you've got the Illini coming into town, yeah. and you're staring at a poor start. But what do the Hawkeyes do? They respond. Sweep. Not just respond, but they sweep the Illini. Crazy. Yeah, great series by Iowa. They could have been in real big trouble here in the Big Ten after this tough schedule to start. And I'm sure uh, people are blowing up Rick Heller's cell phone, trying to figure out how he stopped the Illinois <laughs> offense. Yeah, Because they only scored seven runs in their last four games. Iowa only held them to six runs. Mm-hmm. So very good offense for Illinois. Just hit 203 versus the Hawkeyes. Uh, Iowa pitching now is up to fifth in the Big Ten. Grant Judkins continues his great season, fourth in the Big Ten in ERA with 1.69. First series sweep over a ranked team for Iowa since the Hawkeyes defeated Indiana in 2015. I mean, that's pretty good to go from 0-3 back to 3-3, feeling a heck of a lot better about themselves, especially an Iowa team that – you know, I think has an outside look there uh, at a championship. You know, it's going to take some breaks perhaps, but man, you could not have started under 500 in those first couple of weekends, granted against good opponents, but then be uh, expecting to be able to get back in the race. That would have been a difficult hill to climb. The Michigan Wolverines cruising along, winners of five consecutive after a two-game sweep of Michigan State. We'll get into some of the, the weather a little bit later on in the show. It was unpleasant in certain parts of the Midwest, including here in West Lafayette. A two-game sweep of Michigan State, one game played in Ann Arbor, one in East Lansing. The third game in East Lansing then not played, but Michigan was pretty good in this series against their rival. Yeah, they were in the previous week. They were swept by a good Texas Tech team. So again, another good bounce back for a Big Ten school here. 5-0 and on the week. They beat a couple of... Uh... They won a couple of games against San Jose State midweek and then the two games against Michigan State. 
Illinois had 31 hits in the two games. Five for five was Jimmy Kerr uh, in one of those games. Michigan State's just not very good this year so far. Four and 20 on the season. So a couple of easy victories, it seemed like, for Michigan. Yeah, Jimmy Kerr's day, I love this line, right? Five for five, five runs, five RBI. Yeah. Fives are wild, baby. I like that. All right, Purdue, uh, the Boilermakers getting better? I think it's possible. The pitching staff has been really good. We'll talk about that with uh, Mark Wazikowski here in just a couple of minutes. Also break it down a little bit later on during our lineup. 19 innings of work for Purdue in the two-game series. That one also uh, messed up by Mother Nature. Only a run allowed by Purdue pitching. They struck out, what, 28 in the two games? Now, there wasn't much offense in this series, but Purdue got enough of it. And the Boilermakers take the two from the Nittany Lions. Yeah, they've now won six of their last seven games. So things starting to come around for Purdue. Again, they're not scoring very many runs, but you don't have to when you hold uh, opponents to zero runs or just one run. In game one there for Purdue, uh, they won one nothing. They left 10 runners on base, so they had opportunities. Uh, got a 2-1 to one victory uh, walk-off in the 10th inning in game number two to help them go 3-0 and on the week. Not much there offensively for the Boilermakers. Ben Nissel, though, is back available. At least he was last weekend. He's had the back injury. He did not play in the series. Could have maybe came in as a pinch hitter in a big spot late. But I think with the weather, uh, probably yeah. uh, not uh, not wise to get him out there and, and potentially have that back lock up on him. So maybe it'll be a little bit warmer in Lincoln this weekend. And maybe Ben Nissel gets back into the lineup. Okay, let's talk some upcoming Big Ten series because, as we mentioned in the open, there are some big ones, probably none bigger, I think, than Minnesota at Michigan for a three-game set. These are arguably the two hottest teams right now in conference play. Yeah, it's going to be a great series. What I look forward to is the pitching matchup specifically. You've got Max Meyer for Minnesota going up against Tommy Henry in game number one. And then Fredrickson versus Kaufman in game number two. That's certainly going to be fun to watch. Yeah, you'd like to see Fredrickson get rolling a little bit. He's had a couple of struggles here after the great freshman season. Now, maybe he was playing above himself then, maybe playing a little bit below himself now. Evens out, perhaps, at some time uh, this season. Yeah, just one in three so far early on, so he'll look to get rolling. Maryland at Illinois. This one a big one because the Fighting Illini are 0-3 in Big Ten play. One of three winless teams in the conference. Now, maybe this one feels a little bit different for the Illini being winless. But look, uh, the Terrapins come in. Now, they're good on Fridays and struggle then afterward. A reason why the Terps are good on Fridays, Hunter Parsons has been really yeah. good on Fridays. He, he shuts out Indiana in the series last week on Friday night. And then, uh, I don't know if you knew this, <laughs> Indiana's offense pretty good. They're good. Uh, and then they blew up the last two games. So Hunter Parsons gives... Maryland a chance, but this is a big series for the Illini. Yeah, I think each one of these teams could find themselves in real early trouble here if they lose this series, and especially if one of the teams gets gets swept. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, Illinois, what, if you're Illini, you got to feel like you got to win two out of three at least. Absolutely. Right? I mean, you don't want to start, I mean, you don't want to start really underwater. I mean, they're a good team, good RPI, had a good non-conference. I would expect them to recover at some point, but it does make for a pretty big series. Yeah. Penn State and Indiana, uh, one team can hit versus one that cannot. I'll let you, uh, you can guess which is which. Go. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I think IU can hit. Yeah. 
It was all right? Yes, 39 runs in the last 18 innings against Maryland. Uh, Penn State, as you saw over the weekend, because you were helping to call the game, the Nittany Lions had just one run in 19 innings at Purdue. Penn State can pitch. They can pitch. Can they pitch well enough to keep the Nittany Lions in? Yeah, I'm not sure they can. We'll talk about Indiana's offense here a little bit later in the lineup, but uh, they are really good. Lead the nation in home runs. Uh, it's just, This is just your classic great offense versus, versus struggling offense, and I think IU is probably going to prevail. Penn State has good pitchers at the top of that rotation in um, Dante Biazzi and Eric Mock. I think those two guys can really throw it, so maybe that helps to keep – that offense down a little bit. Rutgers at Iowa. You know, the Hawkeyes back to 500 in the Big Ten, doing it in not the fashion that we would have expected. But we'll see if Iowa can keep the charge ahead against a Rutgers team that, you know, just sort of scuffling along a little bit. Yeah, Rutgers just one and two. They've only played one series uh, so far in the Big Ten season. So Iowa will just continue to try to add to what they did against Illinois. Purdue at Nebraska, the Boilermakers with four wins and two weekends, but a bigger test now, right? I mean, I think that's, you know, Purdue did what it needed to do in those first two weekends. Uh, You know, going on the road anywhere and winning two of three, I think, is difficult. You come back, you get the two victories in the shortened series against Penn State. So the Boilermakers, who had their struggles during the non-conference, now get an opportunity, uh, a bigger test against a Nebraska squad. It'll be, it's real interesting to me. I'm on that trip over there to see sort of how the Boilermakers stack up against a pretty good Nebraska squad. Yeah, four and one so far, but they're looking for respect against this Nebraska team. Mm-hmm. You know, they come out and win two or three of those. Then Big Ten schools are going to really start looking at them a little bit more seriously, I believe. Nebraska had won six straight before the Minnesota series, so they were playing well. Northwestern at Ohio State, Buckeyes with a solid uh, road series taking two of three at Rutgers. Now they get a Northwestern squad that is coming off the sweep of San Jose State. Not sure whether that means much of anything, but Northwestern looking to get into the win column in, excuse me, uh, another victory. They were one and two, of course, against Purdue in that first weekend, but coming off the bye, get another victory going over to Columbus. Out of conference, Indiana State continuing that roll through the Big Ten. At Michigan State this weekend, the Sycamores are 5-1 and one versus the Big Ten, and they've got a string here upcoming against uh, conference opponents. Yeah, they'll get Purdue on Wednesday this week in a midweek game. That's in West Lafayette, uh, so they'll get a chance to pick up another victory against a Big Ten school unless Purdue has something to say about it. Then Michigan State, and then the two midweek games uh, against Michigan after they you know, make that short trip over from East Lansing to Ann Arbor. All right, award time. Favorite part of the show. Get excited. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to throw a change up at you here. Oh, no. Big bat first. Oh, geez. Yeah, I know. Try and keep up. All right, a lot of names on the list here. Uh, One of them stands out above the rest. Yeah. Clearly. I mean, look, Indiana scored like a 1,000 runs in two games, so... Probably some of the guys there are going to have some decent individual performances. I would say, look, just Grant Richardson alone in one game. The Saturday win against Maryland was five of six with six runs driven in, four runs scored. And I think they have three homers in that three game. Home did, runs. I, did I read that correctly? You did. So, yeah, uh, I put him on the list solely for that game. 
But who are some of the others uh, maybe uh, ending with the guy that's going to take the award last? Sure, Eli Wilson played well for Minnesota over the weekend. Uh, 428 average, a couple of runs, four RBIs, and a home run. Uh, Jordan Kozicki, who has been in our nomination list for Big Bat, I think every single week <laughs> for Minnesota, 454 average, had a couple of home runs, five RBI in the four games. Jimmy Kerr, uh, we had mentioned him a little bit earlier, five for five in the one game, five runs, five RBI, and a home run, a couple of doubles. Mm-hmm. Austin Martin for Iowa. Matt Carpenter for Ohio State, hit 500. Uh, a couple of RBI and four runs scored. And Jack Dunn, who leads the Big Ten in batting average, increased that lead by hitting 563 with eight runs and six RBI. Uh, but we will give Big Bat this week to a Hoosier. Matt Lloyd hit 411. Get this, five home runs <laughs> in four games, 11 RBI, eight runs scored, and added a couple of doubles as well. Yeah, so Matt Lloyd, very deserving. You could have given it to a couple of guys, really, in that Indiana lineup. Maybe if it was just a team award, could give it to the whole crew. They were pretty good, especially on Saturday and Sunday. Big arm. Uh, We're going to have to like. There's so many good pitching performances, it feels like, in a weekend for Big Ten teams uh, this year that we're going to have to find a way to start paring these things down. Like, seven innings, no runs isn't even good enough. Like, that's crazy, right? Yeah, it's nuts. You go seven innings. So Patrick J. Smith goes seven innings. He strikes out nine, doesn't give up any runs, a four-hitter, and it's like you don't even feel like he should make the list because of all these other, yeah. other guys who are performing so well. So uh, read off a couple, if you will, of those maybe nine and eight-inning performances. Yeah, it's it's going to start being like the complete game award yeah. here. Uh, one of those was Quinn Lavelle uh, for Northwestern at a victory over San Jose State. He went... Uh, nine innings, just two hits, seven strikeouts, and a walk. Tommy Hendry, uh, again, pitched eight innings, just three hits, four strikeouts for Michigan. Matt Waldron, eight innings, eight hits, seven strikeouts. Max Meyer, uh, who, again, has pitched well uh, for Minnesota, got the no decision, uh, but went eight innings, seven hits, 11 strikeouts. And you had mentioned Hunter Parsons in that victory uh, against Indiana, 2 nothing. went eight innings, just two hits. Uh, three walks and five strikeouts. Uh, Seth Lonsway for Ohio State. Award winner. Was another guy who went a complete game. Nine innings for Lonsway. Three hits, a couple of walks, and 12 strikeouts. Uh, So in that uh, 2 nothing victory over Rutgers, he has earned himself big arm. Boom. I like it. Those are good picks for the week. This is the Big Baseball Podcast production of 101.7 The Hammer. Had a chance to talk to Mark Wasikowski in his third year with the Boilermakers, his squad. Man, they faced everybody early on in the season, have had an opportunity to pick up some wins here recently to get it rolling again. Uh, Picked up two against Penn State over the weekend before that trip over there to Lincoln, Nebraska. So he, Waz, is coming up next on the Big Baseball Podcast. Welcome back to the Big Baseball Podcast. Happy to have on Mark Wasikowski in his third season with the Boilermakers, a guy certainly that we're very familiar with around here. And happy to have him on the podcast for the first time. Was coming off uh, a chilly weekend against Penn State, especially on that Sunday. A little cold there in West Lafayette, but uh, you didn't let the cold bother you too much, though it might have bothered you a little bit. 
and you get the sweep against Penn State over the weekend. You got to be pretty happy with the first couple of weekends in the Big Ten to be setting at four and one. Yeah, very pleased. I st- and I still don't think we're even close to playing as good a baseball as we have in us. So you know, to be four and one, and uh, you know, it was disappointing to lose a home game because of weather. But you know, bylaws say we're not allowed to start games past certain times and uh, with certain weather conditions. And that's you know, for the safety of the student athlete and the betterment of the student athlete. And, and I'm not going to disagree with those things. It was just unfortunate. I'll say that much. And uh, we're thrilled to be where we sit right now, especially having the statement saying that I think there's better baseball ball in front of us. So when this season started, you had a, a very new team from the NCAA tournament team of a year ago. I uh, came into the year facing some really good competition, I think four weekends in a row against NCAA tournament qualifiers. Uh, get off to a little bit of a bumpy start, but now you're playing a little bit better baseball. So what has changed in those first couple of weeks that now you're doing a little bit better now? Boy, I really don't know. You know, I mean, um, We've made some adjustments in practices and all that kind of stuff. The bottom line is, is I think the roles that the kids are falling into right now, they're embracing. Um, you know, the pitching coach Cribby, uh, Elliot Cribby's done a marvelous job uh, shaping the pitching staff. The, what we saw the first week, two weeks, three weeks of the season is is such a drastic contrast from what we're seeing now. Um, and so I give all the credit with the pitching staff and the development of the arms and velocities are higher, secondary pitches are better, command has improved, um, their, their feel and presence in just defensive situations we're starting to see on a regular basis. Um, and that's just credit to my pitching coach, Elliot Cribby. You scheduled a pretty tough, tough slate there at the beginning. Any regrets to doing that with, with this squad, with the inexperience, or did you feel like maybe in some way it's paying off right now? I, I don't know. Maybe at the end of the year I'll answer that. I, I don't like our record. Um, I love the fact that, it, 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 I, it, you know, bottom line is I thought when we scheduled that schedule, our guys might not come out of that with a great win-loss record. Yeah. Um, there were some games we left on the table. There's no doubt about it. I think our win-loss record should be better than it is right now. But still yet, uh, it did give us the opportunity to know what it looks like when you play against top-level, top-ten type teams and beat top-ten teams. And, you know, for this group of guys to go into Dishfault Field at the University of Texas and one hit them, um, you know, that was such a, a, uh, a different-looking club than when, let's say, we went to Oral Roberts and we took on an Oral Roberts club that is kind of scuffling, to be honest with you, even though they were a tournament team for the last several years. And, uh, you know, they're going through some issues. And we just look like a a very below-average club at certain times this year. I don't know, maybe the schedule has uh, worn some of our guys' confidence at times down a little bit. I sure hope not. Uh, You know, and I'll look at it at the end of the year, whether it was too tough of a schedule or not. Your pitching staff, back to it, is getting a ton of strikeouts. I think the number was 26 or so against Penn State uh, in just two games, which is good. You've had more than 30 in a couple weekends in a row. Is that by design, or is it the personnel? Is it the way Kirby's coaching them? Uh, is it a little bit of all those things? Why, why are you striking so many guys out? Well, I don't know. At the beginning of the year, we were just walking them. You know, and I think we're figuring out that striking them out works better than walking them. And so, uh, no, on a serious note, Coach Kribbe is he's really good at what he does. He's been offered jobs at several institutions that, uh, you know, he's turned down in the past. It's taken us a while to be able to get the roles solidified. A lot of that had to do with the fact that, you know, a lot of the same roles that the guys had at the beginning of the year are still the same roles that they have right now. Mm-hmm. 
Um, maybe they've embraced him better. Maybe Coach Kribbe, obviously he's done a heck of a job of developing the confidence and helping develop the confidence to bridge the gap of the inexperience that we've seen. Um, you know, and the bottom line is, is, yeah, they are striking them out, and so there's a lot of goodness that's going on there, um, and it's great to see in, in a Purdue uniform those guys having such success. Those guys keep you in every game, at least they have here recently, which is a good thing because the offense at times has been so-so. And, and doing some of the things that, that you want them to do, they're not quite executing the same way. I mean, you've gotten a, you know, a couple of games where you've gotten some key hits, but you know, the pitching staff is at least putting you in position where you can win some ball games. Yeah, the pitching and the defense. I'll say this much about the position players. They're playing good defense. You know, for the most part, they're playing uh, a high-level brand of baseball defensively. They haven't figured out the, you know, how, how many runs can we score in a game <laughs> at a high level yet. Um, it's coming. You see it in spurts where they start doing some things, and then we just jump in our own way, and, and, and we take the train off the tracks from time to time. And so that's, that's the offensive coaches that get a chance to be able to address the weaknesses there and the shortcomings. You know what they are doing? though uh, a nice job is breaking down some pitchers in terms of pitch counts long at bats extending at bats um, it's not showing up yet on the scoreboard uh, the way we want it with the number of runs that are being produced but you know we also do build our team off of pitching and defense and we're starting to do that and that's why I think the wins loss record is starting to show a, a more favorable left-hand column so we know you well we know you're an attention a driven guy, an intense guy. How, with a new team, with so many new pieces, do you try to stay as patient as possible, knowing there are going to be some mistakes early, but wanting to, to really drive them to get better and play the style of ball that you want? Well, I lost a clipboard out of that type of thing. That, you know, uh, I think this weekend versus Penn State, we had one, uh, you know, disintegrate on me. Uh, you know what? I, I'm going to stay positive and, and patient with the guys as long as we feel like they are embracing challenges. As soon as we feel like they're uh, either quitting on something or showing some um, timidness or uh, you know stuff that just d doesn't define a good baseball team, or um, as soon as we start seeing like things like that that are negative you know then we address that kind of stuff but if they're giving us everything they got and they're working their hardest and they're trying their hardest and you know just for whatever reason it hasn't uh, clicked yet for them we'll stay patient with them this isn't a yell and scream type staff at people we don't believe in that we really try to believe in keeping it positive and teaching and the only time we uh, would ever challenge a player is if he was quitting on himself, to be quite yeah. candid with you. And if we saw that, I would expect my own um, you know, father or any one of these kids' parents to do the exact same thing if they saw their sons backing away from a challenge. And so, um, you know, we're going to stay patient with our young people. We love them. We think they're going to be really, really good. And I think in time they'll, they'll clearly prove that. They're starting to now. And there's been a couple of times in your tenure here and even this season where you've you know, maybe tried to make sure that the guys realize that it's a fun sport and you're supposed to be having fun and, you know, not get too tight. You try to run that balance a little bit. Oh, do we ever? You know, and, and sometimes it's been a real challenge because there's been some practices where, you know, uh, my former mentor, Andy Lopez, probably would have run a team for probably as many hours as the rules would have allowed. <laughs> and we've gone away from that at times um, just because I just don't feel like that's connecting with a lot of the uh, the people that we have in our uniform. Again, if the if the guys are trying their best mm -hmm. and they're coming up short and they're they're attacking it and they're just not having success, you know, I just don't feel like beating people up is ever the right thing to do. And and we do try to have a lot of fun. It's baseball. I mean, my goodness, you know, we're 
uh, with, with so many other unfortunate things that we see in the world. I mean, we get a chance to come out and play baseball every day, and so if we can't have fun doing that, I mean, we don't really have good perspective on the rest. So when I, I talk to people occasionally about, about you and the football program, because I see some, some parallels between the two, and bear with me here for a second, but when Jeff Brom came in, he, he won right away. Uh, to some extent, finished 500. When you came in, you did a little bit too with some of your guys who were around, but there were still some roster issues that needed to be solved through recruiting. Jeff Brom's been able to do that over the years while still winning. Do you feel the same way that you know you were able to win some games early, then get in the NCAA tournament in year two, while still realizing that there were some areas that you needed to you know, go increase the talent and, and you know, really work and, and hammer it home with recruiting, similar to what Brahm has been able to do here in his tenure with the football team? Well, I mean, recruiting expands out so much now, you know, I mean, and so in the past, I mean, geez, when I was in high school and 10, 15 years after I even left high school, I mean, the bottom line was you were signing players after they had finished their senior year in high school. Mm -hmm. And so you got a chance to watch them play their entire high school career and then offer them scholarships and boy has that changed now you've got you know literally the top players in the country are committed to play at schools after their freshman and sophomore years in high school and so you know knowing that uh, you know when it comes to rosters and recruiting and all that kind of stuff uh, yeah you always want to thicken your roster up with as many great recruits as you potentially can um, you know uh, for me, I, it never even mattered to me, um, you know, I'm never going to, I guess I'll put it this way, I'll never be one that says, you know, I inherited this roster or these aren't my recruits. That's not the way we do things. You know, bottom line is these guys are my recruits. These guys are on our roster and we love them and we're going to work our tails off to get them ready to play. And. You know, the bottom line is, is if I'm coaching in a Purdue uniform and they're in a Purdue uniform, it's one family and that's who we are. And if it turns into the finger pointing and you're not my guy and I just don't believe in that kind of stuff. Sure, recruiting's paramount and we're going to continue to recruit hard to bring great players into this program and fertilize our roster with as great a talent as we can. But, you know, there's never ever going to be a, a bash on any player that was here before I got here or after. I mean, we want... Purdue to be one family, whether it's football or track and field or baseball. I mean, we, I think all the success everybody else has in their other sports helps, helps us too. And we haven't talked about this a lot, and, and maybe it's because you don't want to that much. But you got you guys have had some injuries. I mean, injuries to critical to critical people this year. Your your opening day starter Dalton Parker's been out for a bit. You know, Ben Nissel's been out for a bit. Hopefully, uh, back here soon. A key guy out of the bullpen and Trevor Cheney. You know, maybe a late inning or closer guy for you hasn't been able to go this year. I mean, those are three veteran guys that you were sort of counting on for an otherwise pretty young team. Uh, how have you been able to overcome those things? Well, I mean, you just next man up, yeah. you know, and, and I'm not really interested in talking about injuries and stuff like that. It just sounds like a sad story, and I really don't care, and I don't think anybody else cares either. I mean, for me, uh, sure, there's circumstances that happen. I think there's circumstances that happen to every ball club that's out there, and you know, unfortunately, when either guys don't perform or when guys go down and, and they're injured, well, not unfortunately, but fortunately, when those things happen, that means somebody else gets a chance. And so what that means on the mound and in the field is, is those guys that are getting a chance get an opportunity to go out there and get experience under the belt and help this baseball team. And then whoever gets healthy as the season goes and helps us down the road, we should be 
a stronger club in theory. So, you know, instead of really dwelling on an injury or who could have been or who should be here or whatever, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't help you, and so I really don't care. I'm just happy that the kids that are, um, you know, out there participating and playing for us right now seem like they're getting better, and that's what we're trying to do. And you've had a couple guys, veterans, step up, and Skylar Hunter and, and Nick uh, Everett, who have really come through for you offensively here, you know, without Mitchell out there, and, you know, that's helped out a lot. It really has, you know, and there's some guys that, you know, uh, have helped us in a, in a big way. Um, that aren't really experienced older guys. You know, tonight uh, we, we get a sack fly from Cole McKenzie to win a baseball game and a walk-off here. Um, you know, that, that's fantastic. He doesn't have a bunch of experience at the, at the D1 level, but um, to see those guys getting more comfortable, uh, we can only hope that they'll take their experience now and turn it into a lot more confidence that we can see equal more runs on the scoreboard. So you, uh, you came to Purdue at a time where the Big Ten was, you know, starting to – make a bigger push nationally, I think, and you know, being a guy who has experience in the SEC, Pac-12, things of that nature, you sort of have brought that style of play and sort of expectations, I think, to, to Purdue in the Big Ten. But what do you see, what did you see in the league when you arrived and what have you seen the last couple of years? Well, it's a league that last year put more teams in postseason play than the Pac-12. And if you would have told that to, uh, you know, the great Augie Garrido or uh, any of the fantastic coaches throughout the course of history. I mean, I bet Mike Martin, when you make that statement to Mike Martin, who's the all-time winningest coach down there at Florida State, who's just tremendous, I bet he'd say there's no way in the world I'd ever dream that that was going to happen, that the Big Ten would have more teams in postseason play than the Pac-12. Um, it was recognized years ago when I was out on the West Coast that, you know, the Big Ten's really getting much, much better. Mm -hmm. You know, is it because of indoor facilities or just more investment in, in uh, the travel ball scene? No, I don't know. You can speculate on a bunch of things, but Big Ten baseball is much better. Um, I think there's a window of an op opportunity in the Big Ten because uh, with that many teams that are making it in a postseason play, then you know, eventually you're going to see these teams cracking their way into Omaha and, and, uh, and doing that, even, you know, with the type of weather that we get to play in, you know. I mean, when you're – and I never had perspective on this, but when you're playing baseball in the north and you literally are starting a baseball season in the middle of winter, uh, it, it's absolutely asinine. And, you know, on the west coast, we didn't think – you know about it much at all because it didn't affect us we didn't mm -hmm. care and now living it it's absolutely crazy to think that here we are starting in april and we've had three practices on our own field and yet we've played over 20 games yeah so it's it's a real deal but even with those type of things in the big 10 big 10 teams are able to compete against the best that are out there and um you know, it's a fun time in our league. I'm happy to be a part of it. Certainly you'd like it to be you, but the next step is for one of these teams from the Big Ten to get back to Omaha, right? There's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, when you start seeing some of the rosters in the Big Ten, uh, I, I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. And then I think the next step's going to be when you start seeing it on a regular basis. But, mm -hmm. you know, again, until we do that as a league, it's, it's all speculation and, you know, anybody can speculate. Waz, greatly appreciate your time, as always, in particular here on the podcast. Thanks a lot. Thanks for the coverage. Appreciate it. We'll be back with more here in just a moment on the Big Baseball Podcast. This is the Big Baseball Podcast. Kyle Charters with Drew Charters, the lesser of the Charters. Whoa. <laughs> Shots fired. I thought throwing that in there. <laughs> Why not? 
Uh, thanks to Mark Wazikowski for being on the program. Greatly appreciate his time, especially after the after the cold there. It was a little chilly in West Lafayette on Sunday. Let's pick up our lineup talking about uh, the Boilermakers. That'll be topic number one as we hit our nine topics that we're talking about as we head into week three of Big Ten Conference play. Man, you talk about Purdue, Drew, and we did with Waz. You've got to talk about that. Pitching, the numbers are just fantastic, especially those strikeout totals for Purdue. Yeah, at least 10 strikeouts in eight of the last 11 games for the Boilermakers, 13 games overall this season. They're fourth in the Big Ten with 230 strikeouts. Specifically, talking about pitchers, Trent Johnson in Big Ten play only for Purdue, seven and two-thirds innings pitched, 18 strikeouts, <laughs> leads the Big Ten, and he's tied with about three other Big Ten pitchers who are all starters. Trent's a reliever. He's just given up three hits and uh, no runs in Big Ten play. That's 23 outs, right? 23. If I can do, I'm not great at math, yeah. but I'm just, I can do like baseball math. <laughs> 23 total outs, you struck out 18 of them? Yes. At least yeah. five, if you, like, if you want to take that one step further. At least five <laughs> outs. Five, thank you. Yeah. That's the part I struggle with. Yeah. Uh, so he had ten strikeout performance performance in a in what four and a third against Northwestern uh, was good again against Penn State. I mean that's that is pretty impressive. The strikeout numbers for Purdue. We'll see how you know against a better offensive club this weekend how how sort of they they stack up there. But that's been pretty good by the Boilermakers. They got some good young arms yeah. out there for Purdue. Okay, topic number two, our favorite two way player, and this is a two sport player in this instance, Connor McCaffrey. Uh, so Iowa played Tennessee, lost in double overtime on Sunday, whatever date that was. Sunday, the the first round, uh, first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Uh, then what? Two days later, he was in the lineup for the Hawkeyes yeah. on the baseball field, and not just in the lineup anywhere, but like in the lineup, in the lineup, in the cleanup spot, playing in right field. Yeah, three hits uh, in the three games against Illinois last weekend. Iowa is seven and one. So far this year when he is in the lineup, uh, hitting 333, and he's barely even practiced. So playing very well is Connor McCaffrey. Yeah, he uh, he does make a difference, I think, for an Iowa team that has had some injuries in that lineup. To have him out there as a run-scoring threat, run-producing threat, I think is pretty big. Even though he didn't do that yet for the Hawkeyes, I think certainly has that capability. Rick Heller thinks so as well, putting him in the cleanup spot. Topic number three, a power surge. And for a power surge, we head down to Bloomington. Indiana has 52 home runs. A second highest Big Ten team is Ohio State with 27. It feels like only a couple of weeks ago, maybe three, that we were talking about the Hoosiers hitting just a tick above the Mendoza line. Yeah, it seems silly now, right? <laughs> yeah, they're hitting the baseball now. Yeah, go over some numbers here. A 493 slugging percentage is first in the Big Ten and ninth nationally. They've scored 203 runs this season, which is also first in the Big Ten and 24th in the nation. 39 runs scored in the last two games against Maryland this weekend. Yeah, not bad. Speaking of not bad, some other players on a tear. We'll put them in the four spot, which makes some sense. Hey, our lineup actually makes sense this week. Maybe we should try to do that every week. The show makes more sense. I think it's probably better, right? I, I wouldn't know anything about that. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. Minnesota, uh, let's talk about some players. So Minnesota's Jordan Kaziki. I use Grant Richardson. These are the guys we want to highlight. Michigan's Jordan Brewer. Uh, Northwestern's Jack Dunn. 
just a few of the guys who are really hitting the ball well. Break some of those guys down for me. Yeah, Kozicki has been a nomination in our big bat numerous times this season. Since March 15th, he's had a 476 average. That's in 11 games, 24 RBI during that stretch, and four home runs. Grant Richardson, the freshman from IU, back-to-back Big Ten freshman of the year, freshman of the week, excuse me, awards. 444 in his last six games, 10 runs scored, 13 RBI, and four home runs. Uh, Jordan Brewer, who is second in the Big Ten in batting average, is hitless in just six games this season. That's six out of 27 games that Michigan hmm. has played. He's got a 375 average with eight home runs. And then Jack Dunn leads the Big Ten in average this season. He has been held hitless in only three games, but they've just played 23. So uh, he's got a hit in 20 out of 23 of the games, and he's on a current nine-game hitting streak. Minnesota hitting in the five spot for us. The Gophers are getting hot. Drew, did we call uh, the Gophers dead a little too soon this season? Uh, maybe. I think bo- especially before we really focused on their travel schedule, I think that really had an impact on them early mm-hmm. as they traveled all across the country uh, in non-conference play. Uh, team average on the offensive side, uh, which is really where they were struggling, has raised to a 260 average. It was 225 back just three weeks ago. Uh, I think a couple of changes have really made a difference uh, for Minnesota. Max Meyer moving into the rotation. He's been outstanding. Nick Lackney and Jake Stevenson have moved from the rotation to the bullpen, uh, which has helped John Anderson one victory away from 1,300 in his career. That would put him as the 26th winningest coach in NCAA history. He will probably get that this week. Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, that's a couple wins here or there, perhaps. All right, so we go from getting hot to staying cold. We had some cold shortened series in late March, which is not, I guess, totally unreasonable. But, man, it was chilly in a couple of areas. It was really chilly everywhere. And we do have that, you know, real feel rule. It was crazy in West Lafayette and unfortunate that, like, the sun is out. You look out there on the field from the press box where we're a little bit warmer, and you're like, hey, it looks like it's, like, 50 degrees. No, the real feel is, like, 18 We had to wait all day for that game to get played. Weren't the only ones to do so. Uh, It was chilly elsewhere. Yeah, Michigan, Michigan State had to cancel their last game. The real feel was about 18 degrees there and and wouldn't go up from there. Again, it has to be 28 degrees real feel to be able to start the game. Uh, And obviously, Purdue cancels their last game against uh, Penn State. Uh, They could have played. Uh, they had a you know sort of a verbal agreement that they would play if they could get it started before nine o'clock, and the real field was still twenty eight degrees. They actually hit both of those criteria barely, but yeah. Penn State had to drive back, yeah. uh, and it was late, so they decided to uh, hold off on playing game three. Uh, Northwestern got three games against San Jose State in uh, Evanston. There, it had to be cold. I'm not sure what the exact temperature was, uh, but they were able to play all three games in very cold weather. Penn State's travel schedule, yeah. to Purdue on a bus, back home overnight on Sunday after that game ended at 829. So the real feel at 829 was exactly 28 degrees. Right. They were thinking about trying to start at 9. Penn State had to bus home. They play at Indiana this weekend, and they're busing back on Thursday. Yeah, you complain about busing to oh. Chicago to catch a plane to Nebraska. <laughs> oh, man, that's not that much fun. Okay, uh, especially in the cold, man, it was cold out there. Cold. Not fun baseball weather. 
Uh, midweek games. There's some good midweek games this week headed into the weekend. What do you got? There is. Illinois has got to get back on track after getting swept by Iowa, and they have a tough one, uh, tough two. Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday this week, they'll take on number 19, Coastal Carolina. Um, Purdue against Indiana State on Wednesday of this week. Again, Indiana State 5-1 and one against the Big Ten so far this season. And after they play Purdue, they'll take on Michigan State for three games. Uh, Ohio State uh, will have an in-state game, rivalry game, against Cincinnati uh, this week as well. So a couple of warm-up games before everybody gets back into the Big Ten. San Jose State taking a tour of the Midwest. I'm sure they're excited about that, considering the weather we had over the weekend. Northwestern, as we hit topic, and number eight in our lineup sweeps San Jose State. Uh, Here's the highlight that I thought for Northwestern, considering that we saw the Wildcats on Sunday. I didn't think that they had the pitching, but on Sunday, uh, Spencer Allen's crew gets a shutout, one of a couple of shutouts of San Jose. They shut them out on Friday, and they shut them out on Sunday. The other game was a uh, close game, a, a 6-5 to five victory for the Wildcats. Uh, San Jose State coming to the Midwest and struggling. 0-5 versus the Big Ten the last couple of weeks. Uh, they lost a couple of midweek games to Michigan before getting swept by Northwestern. All right, topic number nine as we wrap this up, is there hope? Look, I, we got to put Illinois in this category of a winless team. They're 0-3 through just one weekend. That has to change, I think, so... Slide yeah. a line eye out of there. Uh, Penn State and Michigan State both are 0 and 5. Is there hope here? Well, I, I would like to think that there's hope for Penn State. You know, it's it can't be a fluke that they started 13 yeah. and 3. They won some good games in that stretch. Their pitching is extremely good. Uh, in that stretch to beginning of the season, they beat a ranked Duke team. They won a series against Central Florida. Um, Michigan State, I'm not sure what's going on. 0 and 5. Uh, they're last in the Big Ten and team yeah. batting average. Uh, Just been a rough eight, go. Yeah, 218 average uh, as a team. Last in ERA with 6.68. So just nothing going right right now for the Spartans. Yeah, Penn State, though, man, now at Indiana. That's been a rough start to the Big Ten, and we'll see if they're yeah. able to. You know, that pitching, is it good enough to keep Indiana in check? And then if it is, can the Nittany Lions get enough hits and runs to win a game? Maybe two games in Bloomington, that might be a stretch, but certainly one to watch, as there are many series to watch this weekend in the Big Ten. All right, that'll do it for us. Good show, brother. I sort of made a dig on you there earlier. I'm feeling bad about it. Truly, I feel I feel bad. Oh, you'll pay for it later. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> All right. All right, that'll do it for the show. Thanks to Mark Wazikowski for coming on the program uh, with us. Appreciate uh, Waz's time, as we appreciate every coach in the Big Ten who has come on the show and, and made it great. Uh, the listeners as well. Everybody who's, who's uh, I was going to say tuned in, but that's not how you podcast, right? Uh, who has downloaded, uh, commented, reviewed, et cetera. Uh, we do appreciate that as well. All right, that's it for uh, Drew Charters. I'm Kyle Charters. This is the Big Baseball Podcast, a production of 1017 The Hammer.